spiritual part, the eternal part, the unseen part that's on the inside of us. You know, when God is speaking to Samuel in the Old Testament, he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the the heart, the unseen, eternal place. Something else I want to point out to you is that these spiritual disciplines, the giving, the praying, the fasting, it gives us access to an account in heaven. We are able to store up treasures in heaven while we're yet on earth. While we yet haven't passed through the veil to eternity, we can impact our time in eternity by what we do on the earth now. Our lives can impact heaven and our lives can impact earth And we can either store up treasures for ourselves now on earth or we can store up for ourselves treasures in heaven which which have an eternal repercussion. So Jesus is really talking about the fact that there are two realms. There are two planes. He says, give us this day our daily bread. He's not talking about our gluten-free, spelt grain bread with dairy-free butter smeared on top of it. He's talking about spiritual bread. Feed me, God, with spiritual bread every day. You know, when um, we had Eliza, she's our number three. We have four children, if if you don't know that. Um, She was on the stage here before. um, And we had just had a miscarriage after Jack. And it was a really sad time. And I determined, no, I'm not having any more children. That's it. I'm done. Too painful. And um, silly us, we went back. We went back two times more. But anyway, fell pregnant with Eliza at our 20-week scan. We found out that we had something called a single umbilical artery. Now, babies and mummies are connected by the umbilical cord. And you're meant to have two arteries. And we had one. And at 20 weeks, they didn't know if she was going to survive. They didn't know if she was going to be healthy. Um, There was 50% chance that she would be perfectly fine and normal um, and 50% chance that she would have all kinds of anomalies and that she may not even survive. And they couldn't tell us at 20 weeks which it would be. They said, no, you're going to have to wait till you're 28 weeks pregnant. We'll come back and do another scan and then we'll know more about the damage. So for eight weeks... Um, you and I, we didn't know if our little baby girl was going to survive, if she was going to be fine or if there were going to be massive health repercussions for her. We felt perfectly at peace, though, through that whole journey. I've got to say God's grace was sufficient. And at 28 weeks, we went in and found she was going to be fine, but she was going to be very small. So I had to keep going in and having scans every few weeks to make sure she was growing anyway. We were coming close to the 40-week mark and we went in for a scan and they said to me, um, she's going to be very, very small and you need to prepare yourself for that. She's not getting enough nutrition. And we don't know what that's going to look like yet. Once you've given birth to her, we'll know more. And so this day I got home and I was I was upset and I was afraid and I was sitting somewhere. I won't tell you where I was sitting, but I was praying. I was on the toilet. <laughs> That's where I get my best work done. Anyone else? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, I was praying and I was saying, God, 
you know, we've gone through so much with losing a baby and here we are again and I'm feeling nervous and concerned and God, I just, I started praying for Eliza. I was like, God, no, you, you can do the impossible, da, 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 da. And Jesus' words just almost shouted at me. It's the only way I know how to describe it. It was this audible rush of words. Man will not live by bread alone. Woo! I just was like, okay, okay, she's going to be fine. It was like this shout at me that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus said when he was being tempted in the wilderness by the devil who was trying to give him earthly bread. Change those rocks into earthly bread. No, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in that moment, I knew she was going to be fine and she was born a week later and she was like nearly eight pounds, which is a good healthy weight if you don't know what that is. She was so fine. But in these verses, Jesus is talking about there's a spiritual realm and there's an earthly realm. And what you do now, it matters. There's a spiritual realm which is unseen. And there's an earthly realm which is seen. And somehow we've got to get our mind around the fact that this spiritual unseen realm is more real and more important to us than this earthly realm which is seen. We think that this is where we need to invest. This is what we need to be concerned with. This is where we need to be present in. But no, it's this unseen realm which stretches our faith and challenges us where we need to be investing in. I could say it like this, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we've got this seen realm over here. We've got people who are living for the audience of people. Yay, praise me. Tell me I'm doing good. Tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me I'm important. Tell me I'm worthwhile. Tell me something good about me. There's this seen realm where there's sort of carnal pleasures and worry and fear. And then there's this unseen realm. The Father. He sees it all. He loves us. He wants to invest in spiritual things so that in heaven there's reward waiting for us beyond our wildest dreams. This is real, although unseen. And so the question is today, do you have a worldly appetite or do you have a spiritual appetite? Where does your hunger lie today? Because John, 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So how do you know if you have a heavenly appetite or an earthly appetite? How do you know? Well, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for right now? What is your soul wanting to feast on? You know, I know a creative night at small group, and if you're not in a small group yet, you need to do that. There are small group menus on the chairs, but, you know, I know Janelle 
she will often um, do at her small group, hey, what's on the top? And it means like, what's the thing that you're most thinking about right now? What's the thing that's on the top of your mind? And they talk about that. So you can know what your soul's wanting to feast on by where your thoughts are, what you're thinking about. If you're thinking about what you're having for lunch right now, maybe you're trying to feast on the soul, on the, on the body, not on the soul. Hey, what audience are you wanting to please? Are you wanting to be over here and you want to be adored and praised by man so that you can feel good about your life and yourself? Or are you wanting to be seen by God, audience of one who cheers for you, who empowers you, who encourages you, who's saying, go, 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 you can do it. I'm watching you. I see what you're doing. I'm for you, not against you. What is it? that you're hungry for this morning. Because when Adam was in the garden of Eden and Jesus was in the wilderness, one had an appetite for worldliness and succumbed. Success, power. Jesus in the wilderness had an appetite for God, for holiness. And both of them changed the world. So our appetites can do that. But if you're with me this morning and this is my response that, hey, you know, maybe I've been a little bit more over here than I should have been. Maybe I've been having worldly appetites a little bit more than I should have been and I need a switch and I need a change and I need to, I need to be more hungry for God. I Somehow I got lost and somehow the lure and the lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life dragged me away from where I need to be, but I want to I wanna come back here. I want to say, well done. Good. I'm with you. Let's do it together. But how do we fix it? How do we cross back over from having worldly appetites to spiritual appetites? And the answer is this, church. We need to feast on something different. We need to feast on something different. And back to our title of the message, fasting is feasting. Say it with me, fasting is feasting. I've got to wrap this up right now really fast. But fasting is a way to put ourselves in a situation of moderate deprivation, of earthly discomfort, so that we can be sustained by heaven. If you've lost your appetite for God, it's time to feast on spiritual food again. It's time to feast on God again. There's some great scriptures. Can you just chuck them up on the screen right now? Four scriptures that we can feast on that are like spiritual food. Get your phone out. Take a photo of them. I'm not going to go through them right now because we've run out of time. But here's some great feasting scriptures on God, some spiritual food scriptures that we're going to need when we go into our season of fasting. You know what? We need to be hungry for God again. Don't get me in it because I always pull weird faces. Our appetites were always meant to be centered on God and not on ourselves. God's glory, not our own glory. Philippians 3.17 says, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Listen to this. 
Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. They had earthly appetites and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Come, fasting is a way to submit our worldly appetites before God and learn to hunger after him again. A fast is a spiritual tune-up where we leave behind the worldly and we hunger after the spiritual. Fasting earthly food is to feast on heavenly food. And that's what we're going to do for two weeks. We're going to fast from earth to feast on heaven. Come on, we're going to have a spiritual tune-up together. So I want to invite you on that journey. Join us. It'll be an incredible, life-changing time for you where we get to retune, refocus, leave behind some of the pull, the gravitational pull, which we all, we all end up here. And we have to separate ourselves again and refocus on the Father. I brought this book up. I was going to read to you a little passage about about someone's encounter in heaven to entice you to want more of heaven. But, you know, this is a great book. It's called Imagine Heaven by John Burke. In fact, to all of our dream team leaders, we gave you a copy of this for Christmas last year. Whip it out. The rest of you go buy it. It's a compilation of people who have had near-death experiences and who experience heaven. And it is so good. It will set your heart on fire. Also, on the seats around you, I put together um, some scriptures for hungry hearts. Is that what I called it? I'm pretty sure I called it scriptures for hungry hearts. Um, So while you're getting ready to fast and getting ready to pray, there's some good spiritual food that will stir up hunger in your heart for God again. So take that and have a look at that and read that. But why don't we just pray right now together?